Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio. Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We have Paul Coppinger, who is the president of Weir Oil and Gas. But first, I did want to talk to you about the latest issue of Shale Magazine. Our cover is Kathy Lane, who is the CEO of Suncoast Resources, Inc. I'd like to encourage our listeners to go to shellmag.com, click on the latest issue of Shell Magazine and learn all about Kathy. Uh, and one of the things that really um, makes me so proud to have her on our cover is the fact that this is our issue that's dedicated to the women in the energy industry. And so there's a lot of profiles on a lot of women that are just really going out there and doing some dynamic things. I'd also uh, encourage you guys we are having our annual state of energy in beautiful corpus christi texas on august 29th come on down to corpus christi enjoy a little bit of the sea breeze and learn a lot about oil and gas Um, we are currently right now looking for sponsors and of course ticket sales uh, are going it will be a sold out event so if you're interested in coming to corpus christi on august 29th and being a part of shell magazine's state of energy and learning all about what's going on in the Corpus Christi area as well as the Permian Basin area, I encourage you to visit shellmag.com, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to uh, learn more and of course purchase tickets to attend. You know, our show airs in all markets in Texas, uh, primarily in Houston and Austin, San Antonio, Permian Basin area, Corpus Christi. And um, one of... uh, there's a nonprofit out there called Future of the Region of South Texas. It actually is covering 47 counties in South Texas that they look at what is in the best interest for South Texas in areas of transportation, water, oil and gas, border issues, you name it. And this year, their conference will be held in Laredo on September 12th at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. I encourage you, if you want to be involved, If you're living in South Texas, this is a conference for you. Um, And I truly hope that you will get involved. If you um, want to make a difference in where you're living, this is the conference for you to attend. But for more information, visit futureregionstx.org. And I hope to see you there. But now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome back this week. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. I'm glad we keep hearing that and not it's another hurricane day in Texas. Um, But I wanted to get into, um, you know, President Trump has uh, this whole NATO meetings have been occurring. And uh, there's been some discussion on Germany having uh, purchasing their uh, natural gas from uh, Russia. And uh, President Trump was pretty... um, 
clear and also pretty uh, direct in reference to uh, calling out Germany and, well, heck, why stop there? Calling out all of them for non-payment or for their lack of keeping up with their payments. But he poses a great question as far as, like, why would Germany be giving billions of dollars to Russia and having them build a pipeline from Russia to Germany when NATO exists to try to make sure that they keep uh, a, a collaboration of, of European nations together to fight in case Russia should uh, get out of hand again, like uh, like we saw in in, in past, and and right. minimize war. So, doesn't that seem kind of strange that they'd be doing that? And and yeah. what are your thoughts? And and it you know and and so this really goes. And uh, in, in, in the president's concern, of course, it gets misconstrued in the media intentionally. Um, but the concern is less about where Germany gets its natural gas, because, you know, the United States uh, potential market to, to ship natural gas to Germany is, is fairly limited. And, and, and that's not really what it is. What the president wonders is, is why does NATO actually exist uh, at this point in time? NATO was, was created half a century ago, as you said to form a bulwark among uh, the free nations uh, for a common defense against what was then a very aggressive Soviet Union that was trying to spread communism and Marxism, its Marxist ideology all over the world. And, um, you know, the Soviet Union hasn't existed for 29 years now. And the president, and I think it's, it's a legitimate thing, it's certainly something I've thought about a lot over the last 20 years, Questions why NATO even exists at this point. And that's really more, uh, you know, I don't think he wants to just necessarily go there and look at those people and, and say, you know, who are all, it, it's NATO is, is, like a, is, a, is like a social club now. You know, I've, I've witnessed it during my career where people uh, within companies who are working on specific issues with the federal government form these this big social club and wanted to keep it going, you know, even after the issues have been resolved. And NATO is an, is an organization at this point that it just, you know, given its original reason for being, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it shouldn't exist, but, but its original reason for being no longer exists and hasn't existed for a long time. And it doesn't fight terrorism. It doesn't, you know, form a common defense about what, modern enemies are in the 21st century. And so I think the president, you know, wants these people to really think about, number one, you, you don't meet your obligations to this organization. And number two, uh, the whole reason why this organization originally existed no longer is a part of, of the world community. So why do we keep coming here twice a year to have these meetings? And I, I really think that's more what it's about than where Germany gets their natural gas. Well, another interesting part of this, though, is that while he is at NATO having these same discussions, we're also at a point where the oil and gas is seems to be coming back, and but it, it did drop a little bit. But we also have these tariffs that are coming online with China. And, uh, and even though Russia is not part of OPEC, they're also agreeing to these cuts. So put that into uh some kind of perspective for us what what can we expect like why are prices going down uh, is it down obviously up be- down. Yeah. yes yes well and so the reason the, the price dropped very significantly on wednesday was because libya 
as we discussed last week, uh, you know, Libya had had to take 850,000 barrels a day of production off of the market uh, due to their ongoing civil strife. And on Wednesday, they were able to resume production and resume exports. And so the market reacted to that. Um, but I mean, the, the reality is we still have an undersupplied market and globally uh, because Venezuela is still collapsing and Iran's exports are still falling off. And you know, uh, Saudi Arabia did pump another half million barrels a day in June, it turns out. But uh, we're probably undersupplied globally by a million barrels a day at this point. So while we did have a temporary drop in the oil price, and it may continue, you know, to drop uh, here in the very near term, long term, the, you know, the inertia in the market is for continued increase in price unless Saudi Arabia really can put another million barrels a day on the market. And they say they can, and they say they intend to if prices go too high. And so all we can do is just wait and kind of see if they actually follow through on that. Yes, time will tell. Well, whoever said that uh, oil and gas is uh, not an exciting and ever-changing, <laughs> quickly changing Every type week. of industry. Yeah, so that's why it's important to listen to our show because uh, you don't want to be that person that's caught in uh, the deer in the headlight when you're at a dinner and, of course, the topic of oil comes up and you you, you can't speak on it because yeah. you don't know anything. This is a good show to get caught up. Uh, but, David, that is all the time we have for this week. I look forward to having you on next week, which I'm sure we'll have so much more to talk about when it comes to politics and oil and gas. Great. I'll look forward to it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Despite continued assurances from OPEC members like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, supply interruptions continue to raise concerns, putting upward pressure on oil prices. Between lagging production from Mexico and Libya, Iranian sanctions, Canadian tar sands outages, and Venezuela in complete array, oil inventories continue to drop around the world. Yesterday, news out of Norway and Gabon added more fuel to the fire as striking oil workers put their production in question. Norway's production is already declining, but still contributes 1.6 million barrels per day to the global market. Gabon only adds 200,000 barrels per day. WTI closed up 10 cents to end at $74.11 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Hi, I'm Kim Pilato, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show and president of Future of the Region South Texas. And I'd like to encourage you to join me on September 12th through the 14th at the Texas A&M International University in Laredo, Texas at the Student Center, where we will be discussing some of the most important regional topics for South Texas. Help shape the future of the region by sharing your thoughts with other local experts on innovative solutions to challenging regional issues. We encourage you to join us September 12th through the 14th in beautiful Laredo, Texas at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. To learn more about this amazing organization or to purchase a ticket to attend the event, please visit futureregionstx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. 
From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. The new issue of Shell Magazine is online now. Visit shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great guest on the line, Paul Coppinger, who is the president of We're Oil and Gas. Paul, welcome to In the Oil Patch. No, it's great to be back. You know, we uh, were not able to catch up with you at OTC, but you had some exciting uh, announcements on products. And so I'm looking forward to to getting into that with you uh, here in the show. But first, I want to introduce you to, of course, our listeners. Um, you currently are the president of We're Oil and Gas, which is based out of Fort Worth. And you've held that position since January 2015. But I want to go back a little bit and tell me, you, you're not uh, a newbie when it comes down to uh, your role. So where have you been in the past and what kind of led you to being the president of Weir Oil & Gas? No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fairly seasoned veteran in the oil and gas industry. I've been in it for about 34 years now, a uh, degree in petroleum engineering from Texas Tech and uh, went to work in the oil field at Baker Hughes back before it was even Baker Hughes. <laughs> so a lot of my career was spent out in the field and, and in technical services uh, in later management with Baker Oil Tools and later became part of the bigger Baker Hughes. Um, did that for many years and, and then the other probably big part of my career was in the valve industry with Circor International uh, before coming to Weir in 2011, which, which, which I started out as the president of pressure pumping and then as you said took over as the division president um, in late 2014, early 2015. So yeah, I've been in the oil and gas, upstream oil and gas industry for about 34 years now and um, you know, really enjoying it. Uh, obviously the, the cyclical nature of it keeps you on your toes, but uh, we're certainly enjoying a nice uh, bit of a recovery now in North America for sure. Excellent. Well, and, and that brings me to the culture and uh, I believe that leadership is probably the most vital thing that really determines how well a company is run and culture is extremely important especially in this day and age when there are so many different companies that uh, are vying for uh, employees what is the culture like at Weir? You know I think it's something we're most proud of um, you know we really spend a lot of time 
together uh, working. And so we, we treat each other with, uh, with respect. We have a set of values that we follow. You know, I would say it we're that, that the values are the, one, some of the most important part of our culture. I think people that are successful at WEIR have very strong values. I think people that maybe don't fit at WEIR uh, have been have left WEIR more because of the values than because of any financial performance issue. I mean, we're a very financially disciplined company, and we, we set up expectations, and we try to meet those expectations. But I would say that we, we hold the values very high, and I think the, the key when we look at bringing people into WEIR, whether it's an intern or a graduate or whether it's someone we're just hiring, you know, to try to move someone in that's in, you know, that's already in their career, we spend a lot of time on is it a values match uh, as well as a performance match. And so I think that's part of the reason I think people enjoy coming to work at WEIR and, and like to stay at WEIR. Um, because of those values, and I think part of those values, you mentioned leadership, it's around style. Uh, we, we tend to, we allow people, we challenge people, but we allow people to run their businesses. We allow people some autonomy, um, make, make mistakes, move on. Um, and I think people just appreciate that. Well, I think that it is important if you feel valued where you work, you want to work harder. So I, I completely agree with you. And if it sounds like that is the culture as well. You know, the past um, couple of uh, months, well, actually all of these past couple of months and prior year uh, and the year before that has really been a big downward turn. I want to know how did we're do in the downward turn? You know, we're, we're just a great company with regard to the ups and downs. I mean, our, our core industries are the mining industry, which is commodity-based, and, of course, the oil and gas industries, which is commodity-based. So we, we tend to operate uh, very conservatively from a balance sheet point of view, and so we tend to look at things. Um, even though we enjoy the upturns, we tend to always are planning for the downturn and making sure we've got a strong balance sheet. We don't overextend ourselves. And that was the, the thing that happened is, is this began to turn down at the end of 14. You know, we'd had some very, very good years, but we, we, had, we had prepared ourselves that it was going to come. Uh, when, it, when it did come, we acted very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we had to cut a lot of costs like everybody did. But because of the, the health of the overall company, we were able to, to weather that downturn. I think also, you know, in some cases, because we're a little more diverse than some of our competitors, we've got a, a mining business and also an oil and gas business. That mining business, uh, you know, was a little more stable. And so from a corporation point of view, uh, that helps a little bit as well, as opposed to just being 100% oil and gas. Um, so that helped us somewhat. But I think, uh, you know, again, we, we are in a cyclical business, businesses, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we tend to, to, to do well during the up times, but we don't overdo ourselves or overextend ourselves during the good times to make sure that we're prepared for those cycles that, that may come along. Excellent. Now, we uh, are going to take a quick break, but when we return, Paul, I want to uh, get your opinion on, there's a lot of discussion right now in oil and gas on the tariffs that um, are being put on by uh, President Trump. And I want to get your opinion when we return on how uh, you see the industry being affected and is this going to affect personally where oil and gas as well. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
American Wounded Heroes invites you to participate in our 11th annual golf classic on August 6th, hosted at the Dominion Country Club at One Dominion Drive in San Antonio, Texas. The mission of the American Wounded Heroes Golf Classic is to significantly enhance and brighten the lives of our American Wounded Heroes and first responders. So come play some golf with us. You can participate as a golfer or sponsor a hero for $150 per person. Multiple corporate sponsorships are still available, but they're selling out fast. So please visit AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com. Again, that's AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com for more details. You can also contact J.D. Damien at 210-381-7492. Again, that's 210-381-7492. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Paul Coppinger, president of We Are Oil and Gas. Uh, Paul, before the break, um, there's a lot of discussion going on right now if you're in oil and gas, especially in the service area. I think there's a lot of anxious people on how much of an impact the tariffs are going to have uh, pertaining to oil and gas, especially considering that it hasn't been too long that the oil and gas started to recover from, um, you know, this downward turn that has been uh, plaguing the industry for quite some time. So give me your opinion. Where do you think the tariffs will hit? And are you concerned at all as well? Well, sure. I mean, I mean, all, all of us, I suppose, as Americans, we want to have fair trade around the world and we want to be able to operate freely uh, in, in the world as far as trading, but we also want to have fair, fair trading partners, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the tariffs will have some effect and, and we're, you know, looking at those and preparing those. I think if you look at most companies, whether it's Weir or my competitors or customers, um, you know, we are global businesses. And so we have raw materials that come from all parts of the world. Some come from the U.S., some from Canada, some come from China, uh, Europe. And so whenever you have these things going on, it can, you know, it can really begin to affect you. Um, and, and, and you have to start looking at, okay, what's a 20 or 25% tariff going to do to some raw material that I'm currently buying from, company, from country X or country Y? Um, and, and that's not just, you know, China seems to be, what's making the news right now, but, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth going on between the U.S. and Canada right now and Mexico. And so all those things, um, whether we're exporting material to one of our branches in Canada, that, that could be affected. 
whether it's bringing in raw material from Europe or from the Far East, those things can be affected. And so absolutely it will have an impact. And in the short term, you, you, you have to, you know, hope that you can recover some of it on pricing. And in the longer term, you know, there's probably a balance of some recovery on pricing. And in some cases, you may have to shift your supply chain. Um, I don't think any of us are wanting a global trade war. Um, I don't care what industry you're in. You know, we're all hoping that these are all ways that countries can, you know, they negotiate with each other. And, and sometimes, you know, those can seem a little bit ugly and disjointed at times, but we're hoping in the end, you know, the United States and other countries reach agreements uh, on on fair trade. Well, I, I want to change gears just a little bit because I think that some of the uh, technologies that are being involved may also come into play of assisting, maybe not so much where the tariffs are, but I believe that if you have a company that is taking advantage of new technologies that are coming online that may streamline or may uh, help the company be more efficient, uh, especially in areas where they're putting out a lot of money, um, and you can simplify that, you actually are obviously going to do a lot better. So you introduced some of the technology at OTC this year. And uh, so I just wanted to briefly cover those. Um, one of the new systems that you all have created is the simplified frack iron system. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's designed to do um, and how it can help the operator? Yeah, that's that's a great one. Yeah, we you know, it was it was dominant in our display booth at OTC and not only, um, you know, we're one of the one of the few companies that that operate kind of a, across the entire frack pad, whether it's close to the to the frack pumps or at the wellhead, and so we've been designing a large bore um, one one single line system that um, reduces the the numbers of connections, the the number of smaller lines that you have the amount of time and manpower that it takes to rig all that up and rig it down, the amount of leak paths that there are that sometimes slow a job down or stop a job. And we've been testing that sort of in two phases in the field. So we've been testing the, the large bore factory and, and single line system that connects to the zipper for, us for almost a year now. And we just began rolling out the upstream portion of that that connects all the frack pumps together uh, that then moves the slurry down, downstream to the zipper and, and to the other systems that we've been testing. So we're now, uh, you know, we've pretty much fully tested the components of this system. And it's all really about safety, quality, efficiency, reducing time, reducing manpower, reducing the, the number of people that have to handle things, the number of uh, joints and connections that might leak or come loose during a frack job. So all that adds up to our customers' ability to more efficiently drill and complete these unconventional wells in North America. And you know, when, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to get into a little bit more of the discussion about, I think the perception is that oil and gas is not as technical, and I want to get back into how in just the last five years, how much you've seen efficiency grow in this area. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. Hi, I'm Kim Pilato, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show and president of Future of the Region South Texas. And I'd like to encourage you to join me on September 12th through the 14th at the Texas A&M International University in Laredo, Texas at the Student Center, where we will be discussing some of the most important regional topics for South Texas. Help shape the future of the region by sharing your thoughts with other local experts on innovative solutions to challenging regional issues. We encourage you to join us September 12th through the 14th in beautiful Laredo, Texas at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. To learn more about this amazing organization or to purchase a ticket to attend the event, please visit futureregionstx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Paul Coppinger, president of Weir Oil and Gas. And Paul, before the break, you were kind of discussing some of the newer technology that your company, Weir, is is producing to, of course, streamline and make the whole, uh, you know, oil and gas sector more efficient, especially in the areas of the operators. And you all have some new products that are coming out. We talked about um, your simplified frac iron system, but you guys also announced at OTC the pressure controlling intelligence system as well. Talk to me a little bit about your pressure control intelligence system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think like every other every other industry, we're going through this digital revolution, and you know, where whereas the oil field um, was very, you know, they were okay with manual measurements and in some cases fairly crude ways of, of you know, le- measuring certain things and monitoring certain things. I think the digitization of the world is now creating opportunities where uh, things that were done manually in the past that may not have been very safe or the accuracy wasn't very good, we're seeing that the technology has brought us uh, methods to be able to to digitize that, have condition monitoring on our equipment. I mean, you mentioned uh, some of the things we're doing in our pressure control business on the drilling side and the frac flowback side, where we've got monitoring and control systems that actually monitor the level of drilling mud in a mud gas separator and, and give operators a, a very, very quick indication of a problem before it's too late. Uh, in, without some of these early warning systems, um, 
you know, if some if, if people weren't really paying close attention or something, somebody forgot to look in a tank or something like that, you could all of a sudden be in a situation where you've got mud going all over location and potentially, you know, have a gas blowout or something. So that's one example. The other example is measuring the amount of gas that, that's being flared in a drilling operation. Uh, you know, we used to, we'd have to manually look up and kind of measure standing 50 feet away, measure the length and time that a flame is burning. And now we have much more sophisticated ways of measuring the amount of gas that might be vented into the air. And so that we can help reduce that and we can help monitor how much is going in the air. So those are just a couple of examples where I think the digital world is helping us in the oil and gas industry be smarter, be more efficient, be more uh, environmentally conscious about what's going on. Uh, I think the last example I might give is on our in our pressure pumping side on our flow iron. Our customers have thousands and thousands of pieces of high pressure flow iron that have to be managed. They have to be to make sure they're monitored, inspected, repaired on a periodic basis. And so you have to keep track of serial numbers and all kinds of things. And we've introduced an RFID system where rather than having to go and write down serial numbers and things, you can just scan that with a wand and that really helps our customers as well. So again, it's this digital capability that um, I think is helping the oil and gas industry just like it is every other industry. That's true, but I think that there's, in my mind when I look at it, you look at a rig site and it's so, uh, it's placed so far away from everything. Uh, And so it's a really, it had been in the past, very manual. Um, And everything, when you think about what it takes to get the crude or natural gas out it's a lot of work in between and anything that we see that is being uh, digitally done uh, to uh, create better systems in place is, is is well first of all amazing to see that happening seeing how it's so rural where these people are some of the technology that's being used for these companies can you give me some like examples of what you're seeing how is it really benefiting them is it just in an efficient way is it financially a a better return for them and are there any operators that you're seeing that are really taking advantage of this well, yeah, it's not just things that we're provides. I think probably some of the, the, the biggest technology advances have been on the directional drilling, you know, being able to to use, you know, downhole sensors and other mechanisms to be able to really be very accurate when you, you know, you're drilling now down in these horizontal wells where you may be drilling down a mile and you may be drilling horizontally for two miles. And it's very, very important that that, that drill is directed very accurately and that's probably some of the most sophisticated technology that we have in the industry. And that's really revolutionized uh, our, our ability to complete these shell wells that, that have to be, you know, have to have very, very long sections of horizontal uh, uh, well bore that we wouldn't have been able to do this before. Um, you know, and, and so that, that's really one area. I think the other area that's so significant on the efficiency of the drilling process is, these, the new drilling rigs that are now operating where, uh, you know, instead of having, when you have to move to another well, rather than have to rig the entire rig down, take all the pipe out of the derrick, uh, and then, you know, almost deconstruct the rig, move it and reconstruct it, you now have rigs that almost move uh, with everything in place, and they can literally crawl over to another well, and you're back up and running very quickly. So those are just two examples. There's not necessarily even things we're 
does that I think have been significant in helping North America and the world be a little more efficient in getting oil and gas out of the ground. Excellent. Well, we are going to take a quick break, Paul, but when we return, I want to get into uh, the future of the Shell Plays and get your opinion on how Shell Plays will continue to handle as the end of the year approaches us. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the president of Weir Oil and Gas, Paul Coppinger. And Paul, before the break, um, I wanted to get your opinion. You certainly are a very seasoned veteran when it comes down to being in the oil and gas business. And uh, there's a lot of discussion on the future of the shell producers in the United States. Um, and obviously, there's quite a few different shell plays going on in the United States. I want your opinion on what do you see for the end of the year? Uh, Permian Basin is a big play going on right now. There's discussion that that might slow down a little bit. Eagle Ford, there's the Bakken. So what do you see from now until the end of the year for the Shell Place? Well, first of all, I'm very bullish and optimistic on unconventional as a general rule. I mean, we've proven in North America, whether it's oil or natural gas, that we can uh, be competitive with pretty much any place in the world as far as our ability to drill and complete these wells. Um, and so I'm optimistic about it to begin with. Yes, are there going to be areas that, like the Permian, where you've got some infrastructure issues? But those problems are going to be solved. So even if we see some level of, I would call it, a slight tapping of the brakes, maybe if, you know, a few operators here and there redeploying a little bit until we can get those infrastructure issues solved. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to see that. We, we, you know, we've had those, some of those same challenges in the Bakken where you've had to use railroads or trucks and, you know, you eventually get pipelines put in and the Permian will solve these problems. Um, you know, I think it, from a global point of view, uh, you know, we're, we're operating now where the world needs about a hundred million barrels of liquid, liquid a day. And that, that is growing at about one and a half million barrels per day per year, if you look at most estimates. And conventional oil and gas drilling is declining at three or four million barrels a day. So, you know, it, you know even with OPEC coming out with their announcement the other day that they're going to increase uh, their production by six or 700,000 barrels, uh, you know, you don't re- you didn't see a collapse of the oil price. You haven't seen a collapse of the oil price, even with some of the news in the Permian, because there's a pretty good balance going on between supply and demand. And so we're going to solve the oil and gas industry will solve the Permian issue. Could there be some temporary tapping of the brakes? But I think it's just more of a slowing of the growth as opposed to this some turnaround that, you know, would cause us to go back into some some level of depression like we were in 15 and 16. Well, are there any innovations that we can expect from where? 
Um, well, we're, well, we're going to continue to innovate. You know, I think, I think some of the things that we're learning in North America, we're obviously improving on those, and we're taking those around the world. I mean, we've got a lot of equipment that's going into Argentina now. Uh, clearly, Russia is continuing to develop some of their unconventional. Um, I think there'll be other areas, uh, China, for example, that will do that. But, but yeah, we're going to, I mean, pretty, as I've maybe said before to you on our previous um, interview a few months ago, um, I think almost every R&D project that we have going on, whether it's in pressure control or pressure pumping, is, has something to do with improving the efficient safety, quality, or efficiency of the unconventional drilling and completion operation. And so some of those, you know, we've already talked about today, we'll, probably the next time we talk, I'll, ha I'll have some more, actually, that we can talk about. So, yeah, I think, I think we will have more. Um, and I think as you see this, uh, as you see this evolve, I think we'll continue to push the the cost of of unconventional downward, and I think it'll be competitive for many many years to come. Now, uh, one question I have before we leave is, there is a huge buzzword floating around everywhere, which is blockchain. And we've attended a couple of conferences in which blockchain is uh, looking like it's going to make an entrance into the oil and gas sector. Uh, do you see we're looking at blockchain right now? Is that uh, something that is interesting to you guys as a company? Or are you waiting to see a couple of other companies utilize it before you all start taking advantage of blockchain. What's your opinion on blockchain in the oil and gas sector? Well, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on it, but, but the good news is our, our chief technology officer, Geetha DeBeer, who has a, is a long history of being in technology, you know, worked at Intel and other Silicon Valley companies. She is a, a fairly proficient expert on the subject matter. We're watching it closely to see if there's an opportunity for us to take advantage of that, of that uh, in the future. Great. Last question before we go. You are a part of the Petroleum Equipment and Service Association, and uh, we're a member as well. Can you quickly talk to me about some of the things you guys are doing? It's a great organization, and I wanted to highlight it as well. Absolutely. I've been, I've been a board member there since 2007. I've been a chairman twice, and I'm still on the board. I'm chairman of the Finance Committee this year. Um, you know, we, that is such a great organization under the leadership of our president, Leslie Beyer. Who, by the way, has been on our cover before. <laughs> so we love Leslie. You know, I was the chairman when we hired Leslie. We are so proud of the work that she's doing. Uh, she, has, she has enhanced, I think, all, every aspect of PISA, uh, particularly, I think, in the area of engagement with our, with our local, state, and federal government. Our, our voice, the collective voice of the service industry. I think it, it, previously we had underestimated how powerful we really are and how many employees we have in so many different jurisdictions and congressional districts and things, and she's really taken that to the next level. Uh, that's been wonderful. I think she's also starting to lead us to have international outposts. Uh, for the last couple of years, she's been leading delegations to, to the Middle East and having our outpost meetings in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, uh, also Mex the Mex Mexico Task Force. So uh, we couldn't be prouder of the work that she's doing, uh, both in local, state, and federal government, our, our international efforts, uh, and, and obviously the things that we continue to do in conjunction with the IPAA around education uh, for our high school students in Houston, Fort Worth, and, the, and West Texas. So 
uh, couldn't be prouder of PISA, and I'm glad glad you asked the question. I'm always happy to uh, to brag on that organization. Well, we like PISA too. We like to see that they are uh, getting a lot of things accomplished with such a small little team. But um, Leslie is a great and dynamic woman, and and uh, she certainly does a great job over there at PISA. Paul, that is all the time that we have for this show, and we do look forward to catching up with you possibly a little bit later on in the year and uh, getting us an update on what we're oil and gas are doing. But until next time. Thank you for being a guest on our show. It's great to be with you guys. Well, thanks again, Paul, for being a guest on today's show. And congratulations, because you're going to be the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you'll have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Every Monday, be sure to check out in the Oil Patch Radio Show on Facebook and see if you're the winner. Today's question is, what is the company that Paul Coppinger is the president of? And that's all the time we have, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with In the Oil Patch Radio Show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www dot shellmag.com again that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com and sign up for our free newsletter that is going to wrap up another great show we'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews until then adios in the oil patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil gas business and in your community every week your host kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch